Maybe don't know. Maybe don't know. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 119 of the Power Company podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. I am sitting here in Waco Tanks right now in a windstorm, small windstorm, mind you. There have been a couple that were much more ferocious in our time here. Uh, Things are really starting to click for me down here. I've spent more time, honestly, I think, on double-digit boulders in the last three weeks than I have in my previous 20-some years of climbing combined, and that's starting to show, getting a little more comfortable there. Uh, I'm I'm just determined not to fall into that same pattern as most mid-40 and beyond climbers, the endurance rut, that's what I'm calling it now. Uh, instead, I'm going to boulder harder as I get older, and I'm documenting that, albeit slowly and sporadically, on the We Scream Like Eagles podcast that the patrons get. You can check that out at patreon.com slash powercompanypodcast or at the link in your show notes right there in your pocket supercomputers. Uh, I appreciate all the help we get from patrons. Frankly, they just make this thing possible. Um, another quick bit of news before we get going here. Nate and I will be coaching a workshop for coaches at the CWA Summit in May in Loveland, Colorado, and I'll be speaking at the summit as well, as if you don't hear enough of me already. Um, early bird registration for the summit lasts until January 31st, so get on it. Link is in the show notes. You can also find it at climbingwallsummit.org. That's pretty simple. Most of you are smart. You can get that on your own. Okay, this episode is something of a bonus. It wasn't in the plan for the month, and I use the word plan very lightly here, um, But it turned out to be such a fucking fantastic conversation that I just can't sit on it. Uh, Our guest, Brian Anthonis, is a 27-year-old climber from Texas who's been crushing for a long, long time. I actually assumed he was quite a bit older because I've been aware of him for quite some time. Um, I'd call Brian a climber's climber. I guess. He's very concerned about improvement and progression and loves climbing, just the the whole thing of it, but doesn't really much care if anyone knows about what he's doing. Um, So if you don't know the name, you're not alone. Brian and I sat down here in Waco Tanks inside StarCraft, the power company spaceship, to discuss his epic battle with the legendary Fred Nicole test piece, Esperanza V14. And this interview starts off with a bit of a bombshell for someone who's been working on something for nine years on and off. Let's get into it. You definitely have to be smart with how you apply your effort, but I would say 95% of people, more, 99% of people that I see effort is where they're falling short.
Yeah, no, I had a, I had a really good last session on it, um, and gave it pretty much everything I had, and had one like my one last go that I grabbed the start holds, and I was like, okay, this is it. This is the last go I got, and uh, it was everything went right. Got to the end and just didn't have anything left. Yeah. So that was today. That was today. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And um, it was, it's kind of funny. I um, actually just was piddling around warming up at the end. Uh, and I was just trying to think about if there was any way to go to the Waco different, just as, just in case. Yeah. Um, because the heel hook beta is like, I'm not quite tall Super enough. stretchy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it turns out that that's actually just something that I've been telling myself for the past nine years. Oh, really? And I tried the heel hook way, and magically it worked. Oh, fuck. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you serious? <laughs> so then I like, I got really excited. Oh, I was man. like, oh my God, all I got to do is get to the end one more time. Yeah, um, get the heel in. And uh, had a couple of goes where I had like foot pops that derailed them, which is pretty common. Um, and then got one good last go, got to the end, got the heel hook in, and gave it everything I had. But I just, I had nothing, nothing left. I was completely, completely depleted. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm sure. Emotionally, physically. Yeah. All of it. Yeah, man, it's been a weird... <clears throat> It's been a really intense, like, past three months and past two weeks. Can we go back, like, to beginning of this thing? Yeah, sure. I don't know the whole history of it, and I'm curious to. Um, partly because we all get stuck into that, like, banging our head against the wall, long-term project. And, you know, I talked to John Cardwell about biography early on in the podcast days, you know, he was one of my first episodes Cool. and, but I've never talked to anyone about a really long-term Boulder project and I've never really had a long-term Boulder project. And now I'm just going down that path myself. Cool. Like I'm feeling like I want to Boulder hard. I don't want to go the, the path of all the other, like 45-year-old dudes who are deciding Maple Canyon and the Red are the only places I can climb. <laughs> and I want to try to boulder hard. <clears throat> and so I've set this big like goal of V12 someday. And I know it's going to take a lot of fucking work and a lot of time. And there's going to be one boulder I get stuck into that's going to take me a long time, I have a feeling. So... Okay. I would just love to know more about the both the process of deciding on it, training for it, and the fucking emotional roller coaster that's that you're going through then and now. Yeah, sure. Cuz you've been you've been working on this one a while, right? It's yeah, it's been um it's been 9 years. So one third of my lifetime this has been my project. <laughs> That's a, that's a crazy way to look at it. Yeah. Um, but it, it wasn't, uh, it's not like I've been working it. I haven't put like 500 goes into it or anything like that. I mean, I don't, I don't get a lot of time 
off so i'm not like out here for like right, an entire right, season right. trying it over and over again yeah. um but yeah the first time that i really started trying it for real was about nine years ago so so you were like 18 ish 19 yeah 19 yeah i'm 27 okay. now um and i was yeah i was i had just turned 19 so i guess it was it was that season i had spent two months out here so i i was just starting college and uh and i i took one semester off just to, to climb and i had gone to spain and then i spent two months here and i became a guide and all that um and that's the season that i i kept looking back at for the past nine years and saying like that was like that was the pinnacle Right. When I was 19 and I spent two months in that Waco, was my best year. that was the strongest I, I ever was. Mm -hmm. um, and during that season is when I started trying Esperanza. Um, that was back. Um, you can find videos of, uh, of Jimmy doing it, um, Jimmy Webb. And, and I was there when he was trying it. And I kind of started trying it with him um, because I had done several V13s uh, prior to that. And that, I mean, that climb had always been sort of like completely... I didn't even aspire to be that strong. Like well, that it's kind of even... a legendary climb. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, I mean it, in the guidebook, it says like probably the hardest rock climb in Waco tanks, which obviously isn't true anymore. But right, that's kind of like the the way it always was in my head. Right. So you had built this mythology up around this boulder. Yeah. It kind of everybody had. I mean, it's it's right. a Fred boulder, right? Yep. And it's you know Fred's a myth himself. So yeah, yeah, exactly. And that was the hardest the hardest thing that he had put up in the place that he was sort of the grandfather of the double digit boulders right. of. And, right. um, yeah, so I tried it that season and surprised myself, um, by putting together like pretty good links. Um, I wasn't really that close to doing it back then, but I, it was sort of like the very end of my season out there, but it, I had done just good enough on it to, to believe yep. one day. I can actually do this. And yeah. that and that kind of became like my obsession, my um well, I don't know if I would call it obsession in the beginning, but it was sort of like the the pinnacle of what I saw of in terms of potential in myself. Like that maybe that could be possible and that would be the my ultimate best thing I would ever do. Yeah. Um but after that I went back to school. Um that was taxing. Um I uh I got a degree in electrical engineering, so you can imagine I didn't have like all the time in the world to, to climb right um a, around that same time i met my now wife uh, out here actually um in in el paso at a, at a starbucks believe it or not nice uh so i started um dating her and we've been together ever since we've been married now about a little over five years um i went to school and then i started a job uh, after school and that has been even more intense than school was um, so pretty much for the past nine years, I've had pretty serious adulting going on right? and never really like devoted myself to climbing. I could, I always maintained a pretty solid floor that I, I relied on and, and I could always climb well enough to be like proud of myself, but I was never as strong as I was that one season. Um, but in my head I thought maybe I can do it. Yeah. So I would come back every year, every winter. For a, maybe it was five days, maybe it was a week, maybe it was less even. But I, always, I would always come back. I would always drag my poor friends into the Martini Cave. <laughs> um, can't believe they're still my friends. Uh, and I would try it, and I would never really get that close. I would 
kid myself into thinking that I like it could be any go or anything, but right. I was really pretty far away. Which is sort of an important part of the process. Like, yeah. Sort of tricking yourself into, oh, I'm really close. This could happen. It's worth coming back to yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? So throughout all those sessions of really not being strong enough, I scrutinized every tiny thing. Um, I dialed in my beta. Uh, the, mus- the muscle memory is very ingrained at this point yeah um and uh and yeah and i always um i always kept coming back i would kind of trick myself into i don't know feeling like really strong in the gym like a few weeks before it was time to come so i would think like oh maybe this could be the year yep um so in those years was there like training lead up or just this i'm adulting hardcore it's almost time to go to Waco. Let me get in the gym a little bit. Yeah. It was mostly me trying to squeeze something in at the last minute. Yep. And I would feel like some sort of progress. Yep. It was never even remotely close to enough progress, but it was like a little bit of progress. So I would trick myself into thinking that I'm strong sure. right now. Uh, but it was it was really, yeah, cramming it in at the end because I, I was never long-term focused on it enough back then with all that going on. Yep. Um, and then last year, actually... Um, last year I, I felt stronger than I had been in a really long time. Um, there was a new gym that opened up in Austin. I live in Austin now. I moved there about three years ago. Where were you before? Uh, Dallas. I grew up in okay. Dallas. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I was a team Texas kid. I, yep. did, I did the whole, um, you know, youth climbing competition thing. Uh, I did that my whole career basically. So that was always kind of my focus. Um, but I always did. I liked climbing outdoors because I was a little bit better at it than the comps. Mm-hmm. Um, but la- last year, uh, after they opened up um, a new gym in Austin, uh, I was feeling pretty strong, like stronger than I had been in a long time. Um, so I, I thought, okay, well, maybe this, maybe this could be the year. Kind of the same pattern. And I came out here, and I got shut down worse than I ever had prior oh, no. years when I hadn't even really done much yep and and that's when i realized oh my god all i've been doing is is like volume wrestling and jumping between blobs and like i, have, I don't have any finger strength right i was really strong on like the dumb problems they were setting in the gym mm-hmm. but it was not the right kind of strength right totally so that is the moment that i knew okay that was a wake-up call if i'm going to do this thing i have to train for it specifically uh <clears throat> And there's, there's plenty of things coming up in my life. Um, I think I'm not far away from getting a pretty big increase in responsibility for my job. Um, you know, some family stuff could be happening in the future. So I'm sort of like feeling like, man, I've been just dwaddling, doing nothing for so long. Like, I got to take this seriously or I got to give up on it. Yeah. So I decided. It feels like it's ticking yeah. harder and harder. Yep. So I decided to take it serious um, about three months ago. And it's kind of funny because it really wasn't that, I didn't put that much thought. There wasn't a lot of like really complicated stuff I was doing to train. Mm -hmm. In fact, I really only did like four things. Did you stay at the same gym? Uh, I kind of bounced back and forth between two gyms because one gym I think has better training in Austin and the other gym opens at 6am so I can go before work. Gotcha. Um, so I would kind of bounce back and forth, but really all I need is a hangboard or like a campus rung or like a crimp or something and a bar. And that's like pretty much all I used 
Mm-hmm. Um, plus, I did a lot of climbing on the moon board. Yep. Um, and and let's let's qualify that by saying you came in with a really high level of skill already. Yes. It's not like if you're a V8 climber, you're going to get to V13 no. easily just by having a hangboard and a bar. Can it be done? Sure. But I, I would, it would, I would really say no, hard. I don't think it could be done. It would be really hard for that to happen. I think yeah. that, um, yeah, no, that's, that's, yeah, maybe, maybe quickly rewind back to, um, I guess, telling people I've been climbing for, 19 years yeah and i've been climbing pretty much like i've never taken more than like a month off really since i started when i was eight yep so and you i climbed have, really well on the youth circuit right. worlds and yeah so. i went to worlds all six years um i yeah i mean i've climbed a lot in my lifetime mm-hmm. and there's no way <clears throat> that i mean I, I would attribute like maybe 15 percent of my like peak right now is to this training that I've been doing that I've been taking serious and 85 of it is the endless like muscle memory moves that I've just done in my lifetime that my body knows how to move on the wall. Yep. Um, that is an absolute prerequisite. So I guess, uh, 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 yeah, before I go too deep into, I guess really what I did, um, know that I, I listened to your, uh, your podcast before with Jorg. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And he, said something that I completely, completely agree with and that if you want to get stronger and you're going to put together some training plan, the, the number one thing you got to do is increase the days you go rock climbing. Yeah. Like purely just the amount of rock climbing you do needs to increase and that's like the number one most important thing. Yeah, totally. So I've already been doing that a lot. So for me, my next step was to add in the actual hardcore like conditioning training yep something a little more systematic exactly and it Um, doesn't have to be complicated scientific anything as long as it's something a little more systematic to strengthen the things that you know you need to strengthen yeah and for me it was real easy um it took me about three minutes to come up with my training goals for the next three months when i three months ago i just said okay I can maybe do like a one arm or two. By the time I'm done training, I want to be able to do five. I can hold a front lever for like a second maybe. When I get done training, I want to be able to do it for 30 seconds. I can hang on like a a medium-sized crimp with one hand, like a one-arm dead hang for maybe three to five seconds if I'm lucky. I want to be able to do it 15 seconds. And I literally just did that. I just worked on those things. Um, in, in maybe different ways, but I was always sort of measuring against those. Like how, how right. is my so one-arm increase? So you weren't constantly like, I'm only going to train by doing one-arms or train by doing front levers. You're doing other things and checking back in with the front lever regularly or yeah. back in with the one But I'm not regularly. doing that many things. I mean, my, my training for one-arm pull-ups is assisted one-arm pull-ups, but I'm still, right. I'm not doing like 60 pull-ups with two hands to train one arms or anything like that's yep um so it it was actually pretty focused on almost just okay doing one arms and i mean it it, it's remarkable how simple it ended up being for me um i will say that i spent a lot of time on the moon board Mm -hmm. throughout all this and i think that that has absolutely played a big role yep um 
especially in that cave on that style. Yeah. That's going to be a great tool yeah, to use. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the holds are kind of the same. They're all, you know, kind of like little mini pinches and, and yep. crimps on a steep wall. And that's exactly what Esperanza is. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I, I, and I didn't really, I probably could have done this better, but just with the way that I am and with my life, I, I can't tell myself, okay, every Tuesday and Thursday at six o'clock, I'm going to go train. Um, so it had, it had more to do with whenever I had motivation or time or both, I would go to the gym. So maybe I felt like, you know, tomorrow morning, you know, I got a, I got a meeting, so I can't, I can't wake up early and go climbing. Um, but the next day I have more, I don't have any, any calls all day. I'm going to go in the morning to, you know, tomorrow morning. Yep. So it was kind of, I, I would just decide to go, but when I would go, it, I, it all came back to like those four things, moonboard, doing something one arm pull up related, something one arm dead hang related and something front lever related. Now, how did, how and why did you choose those four things? Sure. So. The one arm dead hangs has always been my go-to finger strength exercise. Um, that was the clear and obvious thing I needed. So that was a really easy way to kind of measure how, what progress I'm having. Um, and I've always just throughout my years of, of training that ended up being how I found myself improving the bet the fastest. Um, so that was an easy one. Front levers, also an easy one. This is a roof. Yep. Um, I knew that there's not a lot keeping you from swinging away from the wall when you do the bone move. Yep. There's no tricks you can really play there, so you just have to be slow and controlled. Yep. Um, you, you just got to... small feet. Yeah. Stretched out. Yep. Um, so I, I figured that those would help. Um, I also knew that sometimes, like some seasons when I would come to Esperanza... I would be able to do the crossover move to the ear with my feet staying on and some seasons they would, they would come off and mm. I would have to hold this like heinous rip. Yep. Uh, so I knew that that was also another move that the front levers were going to help. Cause that's exactly what that, that position is on that move. Yep. And you want it to keep your feet on. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and then the one arms, um, I just wanted to be able to feel light and snappy on the wall. Um, so I, I just added that to the mix. I always kind of used that as a, a stepping stone. So, um, so yeah, but I mean, literally that's all I did. I, I, I didn't really, I mean, I would, I would maybe do negatives or I would use like a band to assist my, take right. some weight off to do right. one arms, right. but I would do something that was definitely one arm related and I would just do that. Yeah. Um, quick question. And I'm asking this because the other day, Annalisa, and you and I were walking up the chains and Annalisa said, you look like you weigh nothing while you're climbing. You know? <laughs> and you just said, I'm, I'm doing these one arms because I want to feel light. Was there actual, I'm trying to drop weight, I'm doing any dieting? Or was <laughs> it that you just wanted to feel stronger so that you seemed lighter? Um, yes. No, I'm glad you brought that up because that actually was something that I incorporated. Um, I I am a avid believer of the keto diet. Okay. And I did that for a month before I came. Okay. Um, my body takes takes to it really well. Um, so it's sort of become my, uh, about 
two years ago when I first did it and I saw like the, the progress that I had. Uh, back then it was for a, in preparation for a comp, but, um, but it was clear that it, it helped. So I'll, I'll usually go keto for a month before something okay. to drop some weight. So you don't keep the keto diet going all the time. You just drop into it a month or so before the goal. Yeah, I wish. I love beer too much. I can only <laughs> stay away for about a month. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but no, it's uh, it's definitely a part of it. Um, I mean, usually I will drop about fifteen pounds in a month, which wow. is kind of crazy. Um, yeah, but it's mostly because I eat pretty poorly, uh, and I drink a lot of beer, so right. I, I have the weight to lose. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're getting lighter and you're getting stronger. Yep. So you're just gonna feel like you're floating up there. Yeah, That's and the goal. it it definitely it definitely worked. Um, so yeah, so I guess, um, after all the moonboarding and the finger strength exercises and the front levers and the one arms, um, I pretty much met, I met most of my goals that I set out, um, shattered the one arm goal, uh, met my one arm dead hang goal and fell just shy of my front lever goal. Um, That's a big jump from a few seconds to 30. Yeah. Yeah, that's a massive I was, jump. I didn't quite get to thirty, but I was pretty psyched with twenty-five seconds. Yeah, um, no doubt. So you might have it, to cut your legs off at the knees. <laughs> yeah, that would help. Um, so anyway, I I uh, I I worked pretty hard for the past like three months, um, doing all that and feeling like the most substantial, clear, measurable progress that I'd ever felt ever. Mm -hmm. um, and came out here with pretty high confidence. <laughs> um, and it was so clear that it had worked my first day. Yeah, your Instagram post that day, you were like, I never dropped the bone move. This shit works. Yeah. It's amazing. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I within the first hour that I was on that boulder problem, I had, um, I had already gotten a new high point. I had matched everything I had done in my my golden year back when I was nineteen right. at my pinnacle. Yep. Um, I had shattered all of that progress, um, and it was it felt like a matter of you know when, not if. Yep. Uh, so that that day was good. I got um, I stuck the ear from the bottom after a pretty long session, just sussing it out, um, and then it rained. So out here when it rains, all uh, I guess all of your listeners, beware. You do not climb in Waco tanks the day after it rains. I don't care if uh, if it was really windy the night before or if you're just going to go climb on roof. Um, stuff is breaking out here at an at just shocking pace lately uh, because people are climbing after it rains. So I took two rest days, came back. Um, and felt incredible. Um, got to the last move and just pumped out uh, while trying to go to the Waco. Had a couple of tries that I wasn't pumped, but something happened like my foot slipped or I dry right. fired off a hold. Um, but it was like, it felt so in the bag. Like, this is gonna, this is gonna go. Um, and pretty much the whole, like, climbing universe seemed like they were behind you 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I uh, if I really have that many followers on social media, but um, I, I I I do have uh, one sponsor, but it's uh, I'm a pretty low level athlete on the totem pole, and I don't really have tons of obligations to sponsors or anything because you know I work full time and I right I sponsor myself, so. <clears throat> Um, yeah, so it was mostly just for me and I don't have a ton of followers. I don't really make, I haven't really made a ton of effort to expand my social media presence, but I definitely got an uptick as people started following, um, my journey with this thing. Yeah. People seem like they were really stoked about it. Yeah. I mean, I just have a lot of friends who know that I've been trying this for so long. Right. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, I, I was really excited. I mean, I, I've not felt that elated just out of pure progress on how much better I felt. I mean, it, regardless of how the rest of the trip went, I knew that my pinnacle of nine years ago, I've, I've broken through that plateau mm -hmm. finally. Um, and it really mm -hmm. didn't take much, but dedicated effort for longer than, you know, a month. I think that's a really interesting thing to look at. Like a lot of us, you know, say say someone is stuck at 12C or V5, V6, whatever. It's really easy to look at the people who have climbed V13 or 14C or whatever and feel like they can't possibly know what it's like to be stuck at a grade, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, the, you know, you're saying... <clears throat> Here I was nine years ago. I was the strongest I'd ever been. I've never been that strong again. That was the pinnacle of my whole career. But it was V13, you know, and trying V14. So for a lot of people, that sounds insane. But then you have this revelation of, oh, that wasn't. I had just mentally kept myself there, you know. Yeah. I, ha I had more in me. Oh, yeah. I think that's really interesting for people to hear. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you definitely have to be smart with how you apply your, your effort, but most people, I would say 95% of people, more 99% of people that I see effort is where they're falling short more than anything. That's the reason. Yep. yep. <clears throat> Yeah, I see that more and more, actually. It's not something I gave enough credit to for years, um, but I definitely see that more and more. Yeah, and I mean, you know, everyone's got a different... They're in a different place in life, right? I mean, there's a lot of people who are, you know, kids who are becoming pro athletes um, or just people in college who have all the time in the world. Um, and for them, they're putting a lot of effort in but for them, the, the effort is not like, how hard am I going to try at the gym? Um, or or I, I guess their, their effort is how hard am I going to try at the gym? Most people's effort is how am I going to organize my life and right. organize my time so that I can go to the gym in the first place? Right. How much energy am I even going to have once I get to the gym to put toward it? Yeah, yeah. You know? and, and that is, I mean, <clears throat> having been one of those kids who took a semester off of college and had all the time in the world, mm -hmm. effort when you go into the gym is usually not the problem. It's it's figuring out how to dedicate the time, you know, once you've 
once you don't have all the time in the world. Right. And that's been a big, big reason for me, um, which has been fine because I spent more of my effort on my career and on my marriage and everything. And sure. And those things are massively important. Yeah. You know, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, um, something about this year and it just, it just hit me. So, um, so I made sure that I, I carved out the time. Uh, I made sure that my wife was on board with me being away a little bit more than normal. Um, I quite honestly slacked off at work more than I normally would. Uh, and that's okay. That's just a decision that I decided I was sure I was okay with. Um, and, uh, and it, I mean, it's, absolutely paying dividends so i i wouldn't change anything that i've done so far for the world that's a really interesting statement i was going to ask you do you think there's something you would have changed because here we are we we both wish this conversation was happening under different circumstances yeah that that you had sent and we could talk about that success but you're indicating that it's a success anyway you've done the right things so it's just a step in the process at this point. Yeah. It didn't it's not the finish of the process, which you thought it was going to be. It ended up just being another step. Yeah. I mean, just like my motivation while I was training to keep going was this these artificial goals that I had set for myself and mm-hmm. I met two, fell short of another. Um I'm realizing now that Esperanza is another artificial goal that sort of a measure of progress but um and i have definitely gone back and forth and had lots of frustrated moments um i've kind of had a chance to pull my thoughts together but um i no matter if i had done it or not done it the the progress is so clear yeah i mean it it was the reason that i had the motivation to to train so hard I owe that boulder problem everything. And it gave me exactly what I needed, which was the, the psych and the motivation to put forth the effort, which I did. And regardless of if I sent it or not, I am in the best shape I've ever been in my whole life. Um, and it was directly because of all the hard work. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm sure that I will come back and do that boulder problem. I'm not going to let it slip away. Uh, but... I absolutely consider this a success. Totally. I I completely agree with that. Um, and I'm glad to hear you say it because like last night when you posted on Instagram the video of you hitting the jug, hitting the Waco, and then swinging out from it, I like typed up a response and then I was like, should I even send this? (laughs) You know, and I like, I put the face palm on there and I was like, no, I shouldn't face palm. You know, (laughs) I don't know. I promise I was doing it enough to myself already. (laughs) I was like, I don't, I don't know how he feels about this. So I don't know if I should respond. Um, because a lot of people would just walk away completely dejected. Like I've, I've put this much of my time, this much of my life I've dedicated to this thing that now I haven't done and see that as a total failure instead of seeing it as, oh, I made a lot of progress. I'm not quite there yet, 
and I can get there and I will be there, but I didn't have to be there at this time when I expected to be. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I went, I went through several phases where I definitely felt that way. Sure. I, I don't know how you couldn't. Um, but, uh, Yesterday, I, I sort of finally decided that I was going to be okay with whatever happened, which took a lot of pressure off and allowed me to sort of move forward a little bit. Um, and I had a great day of efforts today uh, that I think wouldn't have been as good had I had all the pressure. Um, but but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a, a bummer, but again, it's the more I think about it, the more I'm just so insanely proud of the work that I did. Fuck yeah. Um, and, and the other thing too, is it's not a, it's not even really like I, I'm not there yet. I'm there. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I feel like I had several attempts that would have been the go. Yep. Had I not had so, something go wrong with the attempt, I just, anything could go wrong anywhere on that climb for me. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I just got, <clears throat> you know, unlucky, um, a few attempts. I, uh, maybe didn't quite manage my, my time appropriately to have all the energy I needed. Uh, there were a couple of days of trying it where I realized, oh crap, like I didn't have, I didn't have enough in my tank at all to do it today. Right. And I just used it up anyway. Yep. Um, so I, I, um, I obviously will probably train some power endurance because that's like the one thing I didn't really train. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly why I'm falling off because I pump out at the end. Um, but I, I, I am 100% sure that I am capable of the rock climb right now with the work that I did. So it's a bummer that it didn't go. Um, but again, I'm, I'm really proud that I was able to get my you know, ability and my strength to where it needed to be to put myself in a position to, to climb it. Yeah, totally. It was, it's been really fun to watch it. Are you, are you somebody who's always kind of put your goals out there and kind of let everybody know that you're shooting for this thing? Yeah. Um, yeah, I have. Uh, I, I would say that I have not really had a goal that that's this long term before. Um, I've had like a couple of times where I decided I was going to compete at bouldering nationals or whatever. Right. And I would tell people that I was going to compete and I would, I would train for it. And I did, you know, pretty well at the last one that I went to. Um, but this is the first one that was this, this long term, And for me, it felt this, this grand and really that this is the one that has meant the most to me. Yeah. Cuz I've never had anything that really snapped me out of my life to put forth effort 3 months in advance. I'm very much a procrastinator, right? Mm -hmm. So like doing that the fact that I started 3 months ago is an indicator of how much this will will mean to me when I do it and how much it's meant to me so far. Yeah, do you This is a strange question. I'm not even exactly sure how to word it. But something you just said kind of popped this into my brain. What, what do you think 
or how much effort do you think you would have put in had it not been for the fact that the place where you hit a plateau was at a really high level? Do you think if you had hit a plateau earlier, like at V10, would you have put in more effort sooner? Or do you think it was just a matter of well, so that's how I, life fell out? Yeah, it's a little of everything. I mean, I, I will say that I did plateau at V10. Okay. Um, I climbed V10 when I was 13, and I didn't climb harder than that until I was like maybe 16. Um, so that was a three-year plateau, and mm-hmm. I was climbing hard the whole time, and I just couldn't break break through it. Um, but I was a kid, and comps were kind of more of the, the focus back then. Um, and I think that, you know, hitting that V13 level and having done several of them when you're 19 years old, it's really easy to allow, and maybe this isn't the case with you, but at, at, at that point, it seems like it would be really easy to allow yourself to say, like you did, I've reached my pinnacle. Yeah, well, that exactly. Because I, it's such a high level. I, I mean, it's really easy <clears throat> to be content yeah. When you can climb most any boulder problem at an area you go to, mm-hmm. you can climb pretty much any boulder problem that they set in the gym right. within a few tries. Yep. Um, Boy, I hadn't even thought about that. That's... You're stronger than pretty much anybody you climb with in your hometown. That's happened to me several times. Yeah. Most gyms don't set much harder than V10. Yeah. There's no reason to no. really. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think that's a really huge reason why it took me nine years. I was satisfied with my climbing ability. Sure. Um, I could, I could climb stuff I was proud of essentially off the couch, uh, for a grand part of that, that nine years. Um, so I was, I was satisfied. So where I focused my efforts was, was elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's why the effort was, as great as it was this time around is because I knew that if I'm ever going to get past this. It's going to have to be the result of a lot of effort. Lots of hard work. Yeah. And really, I mean, I, I almost feel like I haven't even really put in that much effort. I only trained. I mean, I basically was farting around slacking off until three months ago. That wasn't right. that long ago. Right. I'm not like a new person or anything. I still have more to do. I'll probably continue training. Um, so, you know, maybe there, there's, there's more to be gained here and there's more effort to put in. And I'm not even sure I really put in like everything I possibly could have. Um, but it's certainly more than I ever have in the past right. by a pretty substantial right. amount. So, um, yeah. Having, having seen these results after putting in that kind of effort and you don't have to say names, but are there other goals? Have you thought beyond Esperanza or is that still the thing that's consuming um you know what i'm i find myself thinking about the most is all i'm missing out on as i sit there under the martini roof Mm. um here in waco i mean Mm. there are boulder problems that get done every like five star lines every month from the locals around here yep and seems like there's a little renaissance going on here yeah. Um, 
And mm-hmm. I'm seeing all that stuff happen. And I'm just still here I am for the ninth year spending my days under the martini roof. Right. Uh, so I, I don't know if my aspirations are harder rock climbs. Yep. I'm kind of ready for it to be over with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I'm sure that there will be something that will catch my eye. Uh, there's a there's a route in uh, in Austin that I'm pretty excited to go try with all my new power um, that Cody Roth put up uh, about a year or two ago. Um, it's a, a variation to a route that the Austin legend Rapesh did called I Me Mine. Yeah, yeah. I, I talked to Cody about this on the podcast. Oh, I think. okay. I haven't listened to that podcast. Right after but... he did it, I was headed to Austin. So okay, I cool. Hit him up and talk to him. Yeah. So that, um, I, I'm not sure if he had settled on what he thought the grade probably was. Um, not that it really matters, but um, it's probably 515, um, but very short and bouldery. So mm-hmm. it's really more than anything. It's like a probably a V12 into a V13. Um, which is incredible that he did that. Um, but I have done most, or I've done all the moves on that route. So I, and it's steep and crimpy, kind of like Esperanza yep. is. So I, I would like to try that. Yeah. Um, that's something that's in my head. Um, but yeah, I think I'm just so emotionally drained from this that I just want sure, it to man. be over. <laughs> yeah. I can't blame you at all. I know how these long campaigns can go and, and, you know, I think in, in a lot of ways it's easier to have a long campaign on a long sport route. It seems far easier to get really frustrated when it's just a few moves, you know. And not that possibly Esperanza is a lot of moves for a boulder problem, you know, and it'd be a lot of moves if you're climbing on the rodeo wave at, in Lander or something. But... But it's still a handful of moves. You can touch all the holds from the ground, you know. So it seems to me, maybe because I am more of a sport climber than a boulder, that it would be way easier to get really frustrated that way. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, when I think about that question, I almost feel or easier the opposite. to bail on it. Even I think that's the maybe point. that one. That's the fault with a lot of people sticking to things they can do relatively quickly and not really digging into a hard boulder. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I almost feel more frustrated when I fall on a route because yeah. you're just, at least with most of the routes that I've spent a lot of time on, because um, I'm a route climber too. I just haven't right, done right. much lately. Um, you climb for like, you spend like 15 minutes on that wall. It's like a right. journey to get, <laughs> right. and it's always up there at the top <laughs> that you fall. Yeah. Uh, so it's, I feel like it's more frustrating to fall off a route because you worked so much harder to get where you mm. got and it took so much more time. Yep. Um, but I think you're right. I think it's easier to, to, to just throw your hands up and say, you know say what, I'm just going to try something else with the boulder problem. Yeah. Um, which I can't believe I honestly haven't done that already. I probably would have had a lot more fun over yeah. the past <laughs> nine years if I had. You're learning good lessons though. I think. I think that's what's really important. And, I, you know, I think that's what's important in all of this, frankly, is the lessons we carry from one boulder to the next or one route to the next. And, and I think the lesson of I had nine years of believing 
I had already been the strongest I was ever going to be. And now I'm realizing, holy shit, I've got more. You know, I think that's a massively cool lesson. Yeah. Yeah. And I always knew that I hadn't given it everything I had. Yeah. I always knew that. How do you, I was thinking about this today, actually sitting in a hot tub at the, at the YMCA in Paso. <laughs> nice. How do you feel about the term dark horse? I can't decide if it's a compliment or not, or just a statement of fact, but I've heard you described as a dark horse. Huh. I've heard you. I'm usually described nowadays as like the old guy. <laughs> which feels really weird but the last few like big competitions i'm I've not been gonna in, call you the old guy yeah i mean i know that's why I've, i i mean there's plenty of i don't feel that old at 27 but um I'll, i still do comps right and yeah. sometimes i'll make it to finals in some big comp and it'll be like you know like brooke and nathaniel and right drew and and they'll, they'll be the ones in iso with me and I'll be like, oh my God, I'm like six years older than everybody in here. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I don't, Dark Horse, I don't know. I don't, I mean, maybe it's because I never chased the, the pro climber dream and I don't get to spend a lot of time on rock or doing comps that I'm just, my name's not out there that much. And that I guess is why people would mm -hmm. call me a Dark Horse. I don't know. Yeah, you definitely fly under the radar a little bit. Um, and I think I ended up just settling. And actually, this came in part from your from your Instagram account um, and having watched the video not too long ago. But I ended up settling instead of Dark Horse or uh, Under the Radar, or any of those other terms. I just decided on Texas Legend. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Dalen Faulkner is going to be so happy to hear that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I mean there have been several several people from Texas that uh that I would consider greater legends than I. There there are quite a few Texas legends for sure, but I'd put you in that category. <laughs> okay. 100%. I guess technically uh since I won the Texas Legends competition this year, exactly. I am you're the officially reigning the reigning legend. Texas legend. <laughs> that that competition. Uh, it looks amazing. It's it's such a silly little thing that uh, I can't believe Dalen gets so many people to rally around it. Um, but this year the trophy was a a literally a giant cast iron hammer. Yeah. In the shape of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you haven't seen the video, everyone should go find that video. I'll I'll try and remember to link it here in the show notes. Um, there's some Texas Legend videos out there. So, yeah, it's just a comp that this this kid uh, has been throwing for a while. That it's either, it's always at his house, either in his attic wall or this year he actually built a wall over his pool. over his pool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which was really sick. Um, but everybody that climbs in, um, uh, mostly in Texas has started to actually like drive to Dallas for this thing. Yeah. Um, so that's been, uh, that's been fun, but that's awesome. <clears throat> but yeah, man, I, uh, you got me thinking about who, who from Texas, um, 
Tell me some more Texas legends. Yeah, man. Well, there's uh, kind of the, at least the, the folks who really put hard climbing on the map in Texas. Um, I, I would say that there are three really big names um, from the Austin area. So um, there's Rapesh Chagan. I'm not sure if I'm saying that last name right. There's uh, Clayton Reagan and mm-hmm. there's Andrew Oliver. I would say that the three of them, between them three, pretty much every hard rock climb in Texas has been bolted and first ascended by one of them. Mm. Um, most of the hard boulder problems as well. And this was like maybe 20 years ago or something. Like they were climbing 514 when I was like before I even started climbing. Yeah. Um, there's also uh, one of my old climbing coaches from forever ago, Josh Haynes. He... Uh, he is definitely an under the radar crusher. Um, I'm not sure he's in peak strength anymore, but um, he's done Esperanza. Mm. Okay. Uh, he spent a season out here a long time ago, and he did that thing. Um, Daniel Woods, he's originally oh, yeah. from Dallas. He's a Texas guy. Yeah, yeah. Put I'm not gonna. Up. I'm not sure he would. Uh, he would credit himself as being from Texas since he lived most of his life in Colorado. Yep. But yep. Um, Texas definitely produces some crushers. Team Texas, especially, yeah, has produced a lot of crushers over the years. Yeah, a lot of comp crushers. And it's it's really cool for me. Um, you know, I used to MC comps, and for some reason, I don't know the politics of it, but Team Texas used to have to come to Cincinnati for divisionals. I think. Yeah. And I remember those days. And I emceed <clears throat> a lot of those comps um, in Cincinnati. And so I remember, you know, watching Future and watching the Puccios all, all come right. up. And, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of these comp kids <clears throat> and, and a lot of the comp kids in Cincinnati and everywhere else, a lot of them have kind of dropped out of climbing or off the radar entirely. And, and we just don't know that they're still climbing. Um, so it's cool to see somebody who came up in that comp circuit really dedicating themselves to, I want to do this thing outside rather than I'm going to come up through the comp circuit, get this strong as a comp kid, and then it let it fizzle out yeah. after that. Yeah, that's uh, that's... I've seen that happen over and over again. I used to coach for Team Texas, so I've seen a lot of kids that had a lot of potential that go to college and, yeah, just sort of fizzle out. Uh, It Mm -hmm. happens a lot. Um, I think with a lot of them, it's mostly because, uh, you know, they've grown up with climbing their whole life, and it's sort of just, like, always been the way they've lived their life practices on Tuesday and Thursday sure at this time and yep. they just go and that's that's their routine um, and every bit of free time they spend climbing yeah and the second they go to college and they have to live their own life and make their own decisions um, and there's no like world-class team with coaches telling them exactly how to train uh, they they just they get overwhelmed with everything that they have to do and sure um, and, and it's totally fine to find other things you're yeah yeah stoked absolutely. on and want to move on to and totally 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, a lot of people will become more frustrated because they can't, they can't be at that same top yep. shape mm-hmm. with all this other stuff going on, which comes back to my point of that's really like the hardest part, I think, is yeah. organizing your life to have the time in the first place. Um, but I think for the difference with me, I think is, I, I really prioritize climbing outside mm-hmm. when I was younger. Um, I, I wasn't always on Team Texas. I spent a good amount of time on Team Texas, and I kind of bounced around teams in Dallas. Um, my dad took me climbing a good bit, and uh, yeah, I just I carved out time to go on trips myself with buddies of mine. Um, and climbing outside was a big a big part of why I loved climbing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people now, <clears throat> it's sort of like their little escape from training for comps. Yeah. Did you have like mentors bringing you up or, or influencing you in the gym back then? Because Dallas is not an epicenter for outdoor climbing. Yeah. You know, no. did you have people who were like, Oh, you should go outside. That's, that's where the cool stuff is. Or <sighs> that's a good question. I'm not sure that that was ever like the clear message from them, Okay, but yes, I had several, um, several mentors, several climbing coaches, uh, I mean, Team Texas does a good job of of making sure that kids have fun climbing outside. I mean, yep. they've always taken like a. They a used to always long... stop in the red when. Oh yeah. They're during divisionals and yeah, I yeah. remember. I mean, summer <clears throat> trip every year we would spend a, a month out there. Yep. And um, Jessa Jessa Goble is a friend of mine. And oh yeah, Jessa. She's Team one of the Texas original trips. Team Texas members. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I had that happening. Um, I had climbing coaches that would train us for comps, but they would also find time to take us on a week trip outside. Um, I, I mean, I was fortunate enough to have parents that could send me on a trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had some really good like buddies that were like my, my friends that I would go climbing with. Um, in, in particular, you mentioned future earlier. Yep. He was a, a, um, a big influence on me early on. We took some trips together and then, uh, Really, the guy that I got the strongest climbing with was <clears throat> Ryan Sewell. Okay, yep. So Ryan Sewell used to live in Dallas, <clears throat> and we climbed together um, at some really horrible tiny gym. And that is like probably the most fun I ever had and the strongest I ever got, and we would go on trips together. Um, he was fortunate enough to have parents that could send him on trips too. Yep. Um, but... Yeah, I, I mean, it, it was just always part of it. I, I um, it was never like the short escape from the the grueling training plan or anything. It, and there wasn't as many comps back then either. I mean, comp, sure. comp scene has really exploded. I, I'm not sure if I would have gotten swept up in it. Yeah, how do you feel about you know being one of those kids who was prioritizing outdoor climbing? How do you feel about this current sort of delineation between the two it seems like it's getting more and more toward if you're going to be a comp climber you should be focusing on comps versus outdoor climbing especially i'm just thinking of today's alex puccio announcement that she's not going to try for the olympics she's going to focus on outdoor climbing oh cool i that's first i'm hearing of it yeah well you were up at the boulder all day so yeah yeah yeah, she just announced today that she's not going to try for the Olympics she'd rather focus on climbing outside so yeah that doesn't surprise me um 
I mean, she's an incredible boulderer, obviously. Uh, one of the best the world has ever seen. And I think that she could be a good rope climber. Um, I'm sure she would if she put the effort in. Um, but I don't know if she would really enjoy speed climbing yeah. enough she, she to put that much effort into it. It doesn't seem like she's that stoked on it. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I know her pretty well. We, we grew up on the same climbing team together. Um, we're, we're pretty close, so I can, I can say this. I know that she would not have fun yeah. speed climbing, so that doesn't surprise me. I, I, but, yeah, no, I, um, man, I mean, there's, you're right, there's a, a huge rift these days between the people who can climb well outside and the people who compete in comps. There's a uh, lot of crossover, too. Right. But it just seems like it's headed that direction, I think. Yeah. There's not many who can who can do it. Um, I, I mean, I can only think of, like, Sean Bailey and, um, yeah, Alex, really. I'm trying to think. I'm sure there's so many names I'm missing, but there's not a lot of names that right. really can be at an absolute highest level at both. Yep. Um, and even they have to train separately for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's the style of setting. Everything is changing. Uh, you don't need me to tell you that. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, I think a lot of people are frustrated that comps, like comp style boulder problems are like so different than what climbing outside is now. Right, right. But if climbing is going to go big time, which I think it should, mm -hmm. and I would love to see more money in the sport, uh, that's the way it's got to be. Sure. So I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm just totally. picking my poison. Um, but you got it. Yeah. You got to train different. Uh, you have to really be something special. Uh, I mean, genetically to be able to do both. Um, I think if more people put the same amount of effort into climbing outside mm. that people put into comp climbing, we would have a lot more like, Really, 515Bs really and, yeah. and V15s in the world. I mean, there are people... I mean, let's take Sean Bailey, for instance. That guy trains, like, harder than I've ever seen anybody train. And he's also incredibly gifted genetically. And he poured everything he had into rope season last year. Yep. And I... I'm, I don't off the top of my head know what his results were, but I know that he was not satisfied and I'm not even sure he made finals at a world cup more than I'm not even sure he made it once. Maybe definitely not more than a couple of times. Mm -hmm. um, so that was the output of all his training was a season where he didn't accomplish really what he wanted to do. Right. If you can like imagine if that equal amount of effort went into only focusing on outdoor climbing it's not that many people who do that. And I mean, frankly, there's not enough. There's not as much as many people watching or caring. There's not as right. much money to be made yep. by everybody um, for when somebody climbs something really hard. Yep. Totally. Unless you have like a, a video crew and you make a movie out of it, but mm -hmm. that's pretty few and far between. Yep. Um, so that's just the way it is that if you want to be a pro climber, you got to be a comp climber. Yep. Unless no, you're I think Adam it's Andra and Dave Graham. Yeah, I mean, I think it's cool. I'm, I like watching it. It's, it's fun to watch, and I don't need it to look like outdoor climbing personally. You know, I think it's, I think it's fun, and I think they're just different pursuits at this point. It's really cool when I can see someone do both really well, but 
I also like watching Miho Nanaka and you know, I enjoy Actually, watching comp climbers who are <clears throat> yeah. who are just really good at comp climbing. I don't care what they climb outside; it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. You know? So I was just curious what your take on it was since you came up in that yeah sure scene when it was a different thing and you know focused on the outside now. So. Yeah. No, I think it's. I mean, I think it's headed in the right direction. I mean, even though it... you're a Texas legend, <laughs> right? Reigning Texas legend. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I think it's. I think it's headed in the right direction. Um, there's obviously going to be things that are different and people are going to be frustrated that it's different along the way but um the day that alex pucci doesn't have to pay her own way to go compete right. at all the world cups yep that's gonna be a good day yep when you know our our best actually can make enough money to support themselves yep totally that's why i have a full-time job mm-hmm. yeah well man i appreciate you taking the time to sit down especially under the circumstances and being willing to say yeah I'm going to sit down and talk to you no matter what happens because it'd be really easy to just say I don't want to talk about it you know but I think you're learning the best lessons from it and I have zero doubt that you'll be back and you'll take this thing off and then go climb on all the new things you want to yeah man I I appreciate you being interested in my perspective (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think we all struggle through it. Um, just maybe not as high a level as you are. So I think it's great for everybody to hear that somebody climbing V13 can break through a nine-year plateau that they sort of self-imposed. And and that doesn't mean you succeeded on a boulder yet. Yeah, that's. Um, I'm trying really hard to not let that be the measure of my yeah. you know, entire self-worth as a climber. Yep. I think that's fucking cool, personally. Took a long time. I've been climbing a long time, and I used to definitely think that way. Um, But uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, I'm absolutely honored to be on your podcast, and um, I hope people care about uh, my perspective at all. Um, They will, for sure. I would have expected it, but uh, yeah, it's an honor. Cool. Thanks, Brian. Yep. First off, BA, thanks again, man, for sitting down and being so open to discussing this before it's reached its conclusion. That's tough for a lot of people. And I think it's really an important part of the story, you know, of the story that we all need to go through, whether it's V4 or V14. It doesn't really matter if we're if we're honestly giving 100% effort to something that is going to require 100% of our effort we're all going to follow this path. And this was important for me to hear. And, you know, I plan to try and be there when Brian comes back in a few weeks for round who's counting and for the takedown with the new beta that he deemed not for him long ago. A classic mistake that all of us make at some point. I've made it a number of times and I'm sure all of you have as well. And as always, there are links in your show notes to find Brian on the Instagrams so that you can be there too. Maybe more important, you can see the support that happens from other climbers, climbers, or dark horses, Texas legends. And if you stick around to the very end of this thing, after the theme song, I just recorded a short five-minute chat with Dalen Faulkner about the Texas Legends comp that Brian and I talk about in the interview and about what Brian's influence means to Dalen's generation of Texas climbers. And of course, you all know where to find us, powercompanyclimbing.com, 
at Power Company Climbing on the social medias, Facebooks, the Instagrams, the Pinterests. And you know what? We're on Twitter now. Just kidding. That's never going to happen because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. I, I, lo- I never get to talk about stuff like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody so, wants to listen to me for that long. <laughs> <laughs> People will. It'll yeah. be awesome. But yeah. so you run the Texas Legends comp. Correct. And you told me a great story the other day about Brian winning it this past year. Yeah. So give me a little about the Texas Legends comp first. How did that come about? Uh, Just the history of it. Like basically five years ago. I just like wanted to like I have like a pretty great Woody above my parents' garage, yeah. And I've like kind of poured my, it's like the never-ending project, you know, just like make it better, you know. Just, of course, like, yeah. Yeah, kind of. We scheme. all we all obsess. Yeah, scheme over holds and just like uh, yeah, try and always improve it. And then I started putting on this like little event for like all these kind of crushers in the Dallas scene because there was like kind of this golden era where there was like ten to fifteen of us that were all super motivated and kind of similar abilities and Brian was kind of leading the whole charge of that. Right. We all kind of like looked up to him to be like, what do we do next? And he's like, go to this. Yeah. Like, Thanks, Brian. Because <laughs> yeah. he's already done it. Like, yep. He did everything. So yeah, the first year I hosted it, Brian won, like clean slate, beat everybody, like our strongest guys in Dallas by, you know, quite a bit. Yeah. And at that time it was in the Woody above your garage. Yeah. And like it in stayed like that for the next three years. Which my buddy Tanner, who you should definitely look into interviewing next. Okay. Tanner is a, a whole case. Do the dark horse circuit. Yeah. So Tanner won the next three years. He's like a V13 climber that nobody's ever heard of. Yeah. He's like now the grip champion of like the world. Oh, sick. And so it's like <laughs> Brian just like couldn't compete with this guy that could hang on to anything. And right. My Woody is primarily 45. Yep. So it's like kind of steep and thuggy, like no matter how I set it. It just kind of always ends up being that way, and it really catered to Tanner. And, you know, B.A. wanted to win. He was trying hard to win. And right. And like, never could. And then this year, I built this, like, 15-degree wall over my parents' swimming pool. Because your dad was worried that the garage wouldn't <laughs> yeah. support it anymore. Yeah, we had so many people sardined into our attic that my dad was like, I don't think my roof is supposed to hold that, <laughs> you know? Like, 
we're gonna like have like the most catastrophic climbing incident like, yeah. ever. And yeah. It's all gonna be my fault. So I was like, all right. kill all the Dallas crushers in one foul swoop. Yeah. So I thought the safer way to do it now would be to build a wall over a pool. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah, which I, dude, I yeah, I don't think I can do that again. I. I'm just pushing too many buttons with my parents. They didn't. They never approved it, but they never said no to the idea. And then one morning, they woke up and it There's was just already, a wall. It was already like fifty percent built. We had just raged it all night because it was like summer and it was hot. And so, that's so, hilarious. So we got it done, and then they were like upset because it kind of turned out so well. Like it looked so well that right. they, they couldn't really be that mad. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so. That style, that the the format this year was for a seco block, but I didn't want to race like the Utah seco block, right? Because you know, not to hate on that event, it's like a stellar event, but it can kind of get a little redundant just seeing people run yep. the same laps <laughs> and the guys' route is like thirteen to minus and like they got it dialed and it's easy, right? So, but so I was like, how do I make my seco block kind of different? And I decided on this format I dubbed the soft second go format. Okay, so it was a flashing event. But throughout the whole, all the rounds, all five rounds, you get one mulligan for a soft second go. Oh, And so cool. you have to be a little strategic, like, how you use it. Because, like, you could use it early in the rounds, but then you only get flash attempts for the rest of the comp. Right. Yeah. So if you fall in, get your shoes wet, you know. Oh, I told sick. everybody to bring multiple pairs of shoes. And, yeah. We had two qualifiers. And then Brian was like, okay, Dalen, like, I promised my grandparents I I need to go have dinner with them because Brian's like a really good grandson and never gets to see his grandparents. Right. And so he was like, I have to pull out of the event. Um, and, and so I was like, dang, that's a total bummer. And he left. But then there was like this crazy storm that came in with like 70 mile per hour like gusts. And like everything got flipped over. That didn't like, blow your wall down. No, the wall stayed true. <laughs> that was like the true final test. <laughs> we were all horrified, like, oh my God. And like we were trying to re like reset the wall when this storm came through. And there's some pretty hilarious photos of us like like standing on top of ladders and there's like lightning in the oh, background. God. It like looks looks absurd. <laughs> it was like super dangerous. And so we like kind of got got out of there. But like so much trash like flew into the pool grills like flipped over we had this like 60 foot slip and slide and it like just flew all the way like into this field wow. <laughs> people had to go like retrieve it yeah so that was pretty great and then so that delayed us for about an think, hour do you think ba had anything to do with the storm oh definitely yeah <laughs> he was doing some voodoo magic yeah i think so because it was right as he left like kind of shit hit mm -hmm. the fan yeah and so we were like wow that was crazy yeah there's some secret powers there we don't know about and he was able to go have dinner with his grandparents and then right as he came back the kind of the show kind of kind of went on yep and he just like bam 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 crushed like, everything yeah we had a round of top 16 and then it went to top eight and then top four for like the finals route and BA led the pack through each each group. Nice. It was impressive. And that morning, <laughs> I didn't even know he was competing until that morning when he said, Dalen, I just saw the trophy you made. I'm flying from Mexico yeah, City right the now. The Texas-shaped hammer. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. So my my one of my best friends in Dallas is a blacksmith. And I told him about this. I was like, I need a trophy. And he was like, I'm on it. And he found this like super like amazing metal that weighs like 25 pounds. And it's like the shape of Texas by about six and six six and six inches. And yeah. Yeah. But 
oh man it's in the video right yeah he yeah. like holds it up and yeah yeah that's and what i thought i thought that's where i'd seen it of a sledgehammer yeah and yeah. we'll we'll link to the video in the show notes so everybody listening can, <laughs> yeah can watch the video yeah my, 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 my buddy brendan he's another texas guy he made a pretty great little edit yeah of just like two and a half minutes of kind of just like stuff being thrown at you awesome so you said that ba kind of was this like I don't know if mentor is the right word, but this figure you were all looking up to, to like, what yeah. do we do next? This guy's done all the things. Yeah, pretty much. Like Because when I said, when I told BA, I'm not going to give you the dark horse term. I'm just going to call you a Texas legend. He, he was kind of like, well, there are, these, there are these legends in Texas that are far beyond me. And he's naming all these people. And I'm like, well, I think that's part of the mark of a legend is that you... Yeah. You respect I mean, all those who came before you and then you pass it on. Oh dude, he held yeah. the torch for a long time. Yeah. He still does. Yep. I mean, none of us can go and do Esperanza, that's for sure. Right. He's still battling. So. He's still battling, but like it's not like you won't do it. Right. It just, and that's the cool thing, like seeing yeah. those legends oh, go yeah. to battle. And he's still after it, man. Like Yep. You'll just show up and outclimb all of us. And it's like, right. what the heck? Like, we've been training relentlessly for 10 years. Like, yeah. why can we not still beat Brian? And it bugs some of the kids. It's great. <laughs> but, I mean, it's all pretty motivating. Yeah. Yeah. For sport climbing and stuff, like, he was like the young guy out there kind of sitting on these like wild sport climbs and right. going to youth worlds like pretty consistently. Yep. Who's like the North Face young gun, like at my first national? Yeah, that's right. My yeah. first national ever, I was just like, dang. Like, Brian's like really good at this. Like, yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. That's cool. I love, I love seeing guys like Brian who kind of, again, the word mentor just pops up, but become this figure mentor in. Mentor is a great word. Yeah, yeah, become a mentor to this specific subset of the culture. You know, mm -hmm. like this, all these Texas kids looking up to people like that. Yeah. And Texas turns out some fucking crushers, oh, man. Yeah. So time and time again. There's something going on there. I don't know. Maybe it's his voodoo magic, but you yeah. Know, whatever good, it is, good, it's working. good mentors and like accessible like training facilities, I guess. And yep. Cause like, you know, living in Dallas, like we had to drive seven hours to Arkansas or nine hours to Waco and so it just like wasn't super accessible as like right. kids right and so typically it would be like all right the way we're <clears> gonna do it is we're gonna train our faces off and then when you go out just try as hard as you can yeah and like a lot of people nowadays I see just have this projecting mentality where they just want to whittle something down until it like comes easy to them yep. and they don't know how to try hard anymore mm -hmm. and so Brian was like no 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 you can do anything if you just try really hard and we were like that's oh. funny, the the quote I chose for the beginning of this episode, which you haven't heard yet, mm. um, is Brian talking about how most people just aren't giving enough effort. Ha, that's hilarious. So, so, good so mentor. it's cool that you that's exactly pulled that like lesson from it. That's exactly what's ingrained into me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you taking some time, sitting down for a second. Yeah, this was great. I'm going to let you get back to the Todd Skinner tour. You're headed <laughs> out to Walking Spanish today? Yeah, we are. Awesome. That, that is one of the most beautiful lines yeah. I've ever seen. Looks amazing. Yeah. When you come to Lander, let's definitely sit down, talk about the Todd Skinner tour. That'd be awesome. Cool. Psych. Thanks, Dalen. <laughs>